with you tonight. It's great to be here in Connor amongst friends, brothers and sisters. And it's lovely to be here with the Men Alive service. Uh, thank you very much, David, for your welcome. Uh, yes, I've known you a long time. For those of you who don't know, Thelma used to baby mind. Child mind, that's a better word, isn't it? David and his sister. And uh, well, we read to him from Postman Pat. His favorite book was Postman Pat's Windy Day. <laughs> uh, have you gone any further than that? No. But maybe more importantly, I was able to sit over breakfast and teach him uh, from the Shorter Catechism. <laughs> and is it still in there? Hmm? Don't know. Maybe not. No. I maybe wasn't that good at it. But anyhow, it is really, really lovely to be here with you tonight. And it's great to hear the men alive singing. Tremendous. And it's been a good service. And, you know, Men Alive is one of many organizations that we have in our congregations. And they all do a tremendous work. And I suppose if you distill it down, it's what David said at the start. What they want to do is to bring the gospel to those who are not saved and to help to build up those who are saved. And as I say, all of our organizations, that's their aims. But I think it's vitally, vitally important that all of our organizations see themselves as a part of the church, part of God's family in Connor or in Kells or wherever and that, uh, you know, you don't see your organization as your church. It's part of the church. You're part of something bigger. And that's so crucial. And uh, some of the things we're going to look at tonight, sometimes men are not very good at them. I can say that because I'm a man. You can't get offended at me. Uh, but sometimes men are not very good at them. Sometimes we, uh, we sort of step back and we say, we'll let the women do that. And if I'm going to be honest, I think our congregations around here are not too bad that way. But there are some places you go and the men have totally abdicated. Uh, I well remember doing door to door one summer around the area here. And I went to a door and I opened it, and I, or sorry, I knocked on it and it was opened. And I explained where I was from. And the man said, oh, wait a minute, I'll get the wife. And then that was repeated because there's this notion that there are certain things that are for the women or for the children, not for men. But what I want to do tonight is to focus on that passage that was read for us. And you see, it's going to bring right into our minds the things that really, really matter in the life of a church family. The things that are absolutely crucial and the things that therefore all who name the name of Christ ought to be involved in. Whether they're members of Men Alive, PW, Youth Fellowship, or whatever it is. So we're going to begin by looking at what you could call the absolute fundamentals for a local church family. And really we get them there in verse 42. We read about the believers that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And notice that really strong word there, devoted. It means to continue steadfastly in. These are the things that they kept on doing time 
after time after time after time. They did not walk away, no matter whether the days were good or bad, whether things were going well or they weren't. These were the things that they stuck at through thick and thin. There's four of them. The apostles' teaching. Every day they met in the temple courts to hear the apostles teach them. Now, what did the apostles teach them? Well, obviously, it was the Old Testament and the implications of the Old Testament now that Christ had come and died and risen again. The way we would put it is they devoted themselves to the Bible, to being taught the Bible. And that is so crucial. The Bible has to be central to all that we do in the church of Christ. We say it is our only rule of faith and life, and it is. That's why the preaching of the word and the reading of the word are central in our church services. That's why, in fact, the pulpit is in the center because the word is central and crucial. And we know that all scripture is God-breathed. We know all the things it's profitable for. And, and really, we need to take our example from these folk. Every day they met together. And we as Christians have a deep responsibility that every time the Bible is being preached, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, if that's when your midweek is, or whatever, that we will be there. Not simply to hear, but to have God speak to us deep in our souls, deep in our hearts. To have our minds shaped and molded by the truth of the word. Uh, and I'm, I've said this to my own folk many a time. I am convinced that the battle that we face today in the church of Christ is the battle for the Bible. Uh, you know, quite rightly, our friend who was praying was, was praying about a lot of the laws and a lot of the things that are, are going on that are terrible. And they are terrible, but why are they terrible? They're terrible because the word of God tells us that they're terrible. And if we're going to be effective people for Christ in our church families, we have to, have to believe that this word is infallible. That it is this word that we build our lives upon. It is this word that shapes all of our doctrine and beliefs. That it is this word that determines what we do in our church families. Uh, and there are far too many people today who will say, I know that's what the Bible says, but. And they try to explain it away. And there are far too many people who say, look, we've got to change what we believe in the church because the world doesn't want to hear. And if we only change it, then they'll come flooding in. No, they won't. If we throw the Bible out, God walks out. And the power has gone. And the people who don't believe that we thought we would get in through jettisoning truth, they don't come in. But the people who do love the word walk out. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Fellowship, that's such an important thing. That's what you'll be getting, I'm sure, in Men Alive. But fellowship is not some sort of mystical thing. 
It's not some sort of amorphous thing, some sort of thing that you receive by osmosis. Uh, it's interesting that in the original language here, it says the fellowship. That word the is there. So they're not just devoting themselves to fellowship as an idea. They're devoting themselves to each other within the fellowship. To the, the men, the women, and the young people, and the children. Yeah. Being there to worship. Being there to learn. Being there to serve with the other members of your fellowship, your church family. And it's all of the fellowship. Later on, we said, we read that all who believed were together. It's all. Now, let's be, let's be really honest here. There are some people in our fellowships that are hard to like, aren't there? And maybe I'm one of them. You know, there are people who are thrown and awkward and twisted. Difficult. But you have to love them too. You have to be prepared to study the word with them. Pray with them. To serve with them. Because if they're Christians, the same Holy Spirit who lives in your heart lives in their lives. And... Uh, it's a matter of all pulling together. See how these Christians love each other. Isn't that what the, the people said in the early century? And we have to commit to loving the people in our fellowship. And again, that means being here. Being here on a Sunday morning. Being here if humanly possible, on a Sunday night and a Wednesday night. So as you can be together, so as you can grow together, so as you are a true fellowship. And then the third thing, the breaking of bread. Now, commentators differ in this. Some th say this refers to a communion service. Others say it refers to simply having a meal. I happen to think it refers to the breaking of bread in the Lord's Supper. And that's an important part of the life of any congregation as well. Meeting together around the Lord's table. Two errors you can fall into. One is you can say that the table is for absolutely everyone and there's no qualifications. But that's not biblical. To come and eat and drink, you have to know Jesus Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about, uh, you know, the danger of eating and drinking without knowing the body of Christ, without being a part of the fellowship through faith in Christ. If you're not a Christian, the table is not the place for you. We have to say that clearly. But there's another error, and that's one that Christians can fall into. I've heard Christians say, I'm not good enough to come to the table, and so I don't come. Well, of course you're not good enough. None of us is good enough. I'm certainly not good enough. Philip's not good enough. If we were good enough, Christ wouldn't have had to die to pay for our sins. The table is for forgiven sinners. 
It's for those who know they're not good enough, who know they're depending upon the grace of God and trusting in the blood of Christ. And so we come together to hear the word proclaimed and to eat and drink, remembering him and all that he has done. And then the fourth thing, prayers, it says here. Prayer. So crucial, isn't it? Jesus set the example. We read in Mark's gospel of of Jesus getting up early in the morning and going to that private place, that quiet place where he could commune with his father. Now, if Jesus Christ, the divine son of God, had to pray, boys and dear, you and I have to pray. That private place of prayer is crucial and important. But not just the private place, the public place as well. The early church prayed together. You remember when Peter was arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin? And he and his colleague were told they weren't allowed to preach. and They were threatened with all kinds of things. And eventually they, they were able to get out of prison. And they went to the church. What did they find the church doing? All were praying. All were praying. And prayer is so vital in the life of a church family. Absolutely vital. You know the old saying, much prayer, much blessing. Little prayer, little blessing. No prayer, no blessing. And it is no coincidence that before the revival hit this area in 1859, for the year before, there were 107 separate prayer meetings every week in Connor Parish. Can you take that in? 107 separate prayer meetings. Because those people knew that prayer was vital. That coming together to pray was the the powerhouse, as it were, of any congregation. And I have to say it grieves me that we can get great numbers to our organizations. We can get great numbers to all sorts of things that we do, but when it comes to the prayer meeting, there's not so many. You were advertising your breakfast Bread alive breakfast. Brilliant. Great thing to have. Don't know how many you have there. But will there be the same number of men at the next prayer meeting? You see, that's the question. That's the key thing. Oh, but you say, wait, wait a minute, I'm not big into praying out loud and I'm not big into this. Not a choice. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray inwardly, but it's not a choice to be there. It's a commitment. It's a, it's a command. It's a requirement of the Lord that where possible, you come together as these people did. They came every day, oh, but they weren't as busy as we are. These folk, many of them were slaves. So, They had to get up really early in the morning to get to the temple court to hear the word. 
share fellowship, to pray. Why did they do it? Because they knew how vital it was. And you see, when the people of God pray, God does mighty things. He is sovereign. He can do whatever he wills. But you know what he wills? He wills to answer his people's prayer and to move in response to his people's prayer. And if we're not seeing the Lord moving and working, maybe it's because we're not devoted to prayer. So there's those absolutely fundamental things. The Bible, basically, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, there were certain results of these people being so devoted to these things. Let me mention three of them. First of all, there was unity, verse 44. Certain results in the church, unity. All who believed were together and had all things in common. You know, tremendous to have that kind of unity within a church family, isn't it? But you see, you and I can't create it. It is created when we come together to stick to the fundamentals. It's when we study the word together. It's when we pray together. It's when we are together that we grow together because we're growing closer to Christ. Think of a bicycle wheel. Think of the hub. And the hub for us is Jesus Christ. And we're the spokes. As the, the spokes go from the rim into the hub, they quite naturally come together. But if you're trying to create some kind of a unified fellowship by pushing people together through other things out at the rim, it doesn't work. All you do is buckle the wheel. It's as we are committed to these fundamental things that we grow closer to Christ and we grow closer together. I mean, let me put it in a very simple way. Who are you closer to? Who are you men closer to? The other man that you see sitting in the pew at a distance on a Sunday morning, or maybe who comes occasionally to men alive, or are you closer to that little old lady who comes to all the services, comes to the midweek, comes to the prayer meeting and is there with you and you pray with her and you study the word with her? Well, that answer is obvious, isn't it? It's the one you pray with. It's the one you study with. Because God creates that, that unity in your hearts. And, uh, you know, it's great that we have a whole range of organizations for a whole range of different ages. Super. But when Hardy comes to Hardy, we have to be careful we don't split up the church into little tiny groups. Because the church family embraces all age groups. And, you know, the lovely thing is that we have brothers and sisters, if we're saved, who are three years old and 13 years old 
and 23 years old and 33 and 43 and let's keep going, 83, 93. And we can be united with them in the church family when we do the fundamental things with them. And it's glorious because I can't think of anything else where human divisions are blown away by the power of God and folk are brought together in unity. And then they're sharing, verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. We share our lives together in the church of Christ, don't we? If one hurts, we all hurt. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. If one is in need, we help them. And again, that's not something we create. That's something the Lord creates as we focus on the word, as we focus on prayer and all these things. This deep love one for another is created by God. And we long to do what we can to help one another. And the world can see that. Unity sharing and then praise. Verse 47, praising God. Oh, we could go on for a good while about the thorny topic of praise, couldn't we? Churches argue and fight about that all the time. You know, I prefer a psalm with no accompaniment. I prefer an organ playing a, a great rousing old hymn. Oh, I prefer a group with the drums and with everything. Oh, and this is better than that. You know, there's a lot of nonsense talked. Because at the end of the day, when you come together and you study the word and you pray together and you grow together and you become united together and you share together, you're prepared to recognize something. We all have different tastes. And we all can accept each other with the different tastes that we have. And the most important thing is that we praise the great and glorious God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's done everything for us. And again, you can't manufacture that. That comes from in here. It comes from the heart. When the heart is right with God, you just want to praise him. You see, I, I've never really been able to understand how you can stand at the front of a congregation up and down the land, you can stand in front of congregations and you can look down and half the people aren't singing. They're not singing. Oh, but wait a wee minute. I, I can't sing. I'm not good at singing. But the same people you could find down at the showgrounds on a Saturday singing, she wore a sky blue ribbon. Or we hate cool rain. We're cool rain haters. You know, they don't care then that they can't sing. Why? Because they're caught up with the sky blues. <laughs> and they just want to encourage them and to praise them. Goodness, if you, if you want to do that for a, dare I say, mediocre football team, <laughs> why do you not want to do that for Jesus? What's in your heart? If you are focused on the things that really matter, if you're growing in the Lord, you want to praise him. And it doesn't matter if you're singing a 
quiet, solemn psalm that reflects the, the pain in the human heart, or you're singing a really lively piece by the Gettys or someone else that reflects the joy of knowing Christ. You'll put your best and you're all into it. Basically, what I'm saying is, focus on the fundamentals, brothers and sisters, and the church will change. The church will change. There'll be unity, sharing, and praise. And then finally, there's some results in the world. Because when the church does what the church is meant to do, when the church is what the church is meant to be, when the church changes by the power of God, the people out there notice. And we're told three things here. First of all, there's awe. Verse 43, awe came upon every soul. Basically, the people stood back and said, wow, what's going on in that place? What's happening? I mean, there's that wee blighter who used to run around putting our windies in. He's changed. He's transformed. There's that crabbed old one there that used to gossip and gurn and snipe. It's all stopped. What is happening here? And of course, the answer is God is at work. Jesus is saved. Jesus is transforming by his spirit. And people are saying, wow, isn't this incredible? Isn't this God a great God? Maybe I need to find out more about him. And then there's what I've called impact. They were praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all the people. Now that's, that's a strange one, isn't it? Because we know that if we stand for Christ, there's going to be people who don't like us. There's going to be people who object to us because of what we believe and what we are. Yeah, that's true. But there's also going to be people who say, yes, I like what I see. I always use the illustration of the cricket club I used to belong to. And many years ago, there was a couple of ministers, not tell you from what denomination, and they came down to the cricket club and they, they wanted to be one of the boys. And they, they were quite blunt about it, drank themselves silly till they could hardly stand. Saturday after Saturday, and there were others of us who were Christians on the team. And we didn't do that. We were different. And these two guys thought they were great guys and well in with everybody. But I'll tell you this. When the rubber hit the road, when guys in the team were having problems and difficulties, when they were searching for the meaning of life, who did they go to? They didn't go to the drunken Scots. They went to the Christians who were different to ask their questions. The reality is, if you stand for Jesus Christ, if you're a man or a woman of the word, if you're a person of prayer, if you are seen to be devoted to your fellowship, and your neighbors see you going out every Sunday morning and Sunday evening, when it comes to the bit, 
they will think well of you. They will think well enough of you to listen when you talk about Jesus and to ask questions when their hearts are troubled. And then the final result is the best of all. It's what we want to see, isn't it? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. People were saved. Now, there's no great well-thought-out evangelistic campaign here. There's no wonderful program put in place. What's happening? God's people, his church family, are devoting themselves to the things that really, really matter. Their church, their fellowship has changed. And people notice. And people listen. And the Holy Spirit is at work. Every day, people are getting saved. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Every time you held a Men Alive meeting, if people came along who were saved, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if when the PW was on, people came along and were saved? Wouldn't it be great on a Sunday morning if every Sunday morning people were waiting behind and saying, I want to come to Jesus? Well, if you want to see that, stop messing about and focus on the things that really, really matter. And devote yourself to them. Because that is when God will be at work. Let's just pray. Lord God, we do just want to truly thank you and to truly praise you for all that you are and for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for everything that he has given to us. We thank you for opportunities that you give us all to come together, to study the word, to pray, to focus on the fellowship. Thank you that we can come and meet around the table. Lord, you've given us so much in terms of our church family. Thank you indeed for the, the various organizations in this congregation. We're thinking especially of men alive tonight. And Lord, we thank you for that organization. And we thank you for men who do love you. Men who want to study the word. Men who want to pray. Men who have got their priorities sorted out. So that, Lord, their living might be transformed. And we thank you, Lord, for this congregation. We pray that you would bless this congregation. Bless the preaching of your word. Sunday by Sunday, Wednesday by Wednesday. Bless in the organizations as the word is set forth to young people, to men, to women. Lord God, we just really do rejoice in what you're doing. And we pray that we would all have the joy of seeing people saved, people coming to Christ, and to see disciples grow in their faith so that they make an impact for you in this whole area. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.